Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will continue teaching us from Genesis chapter 18 on the time of life and how God gives life to man and restores life to man by giving him the mind of Christ. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or also available on iTunes by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, before we start today's teaching, let me ask you a question. Do you have lost relatives and family members that need to be reached with the gospel? And did you know that the Lord Jesus Christ, God, has lost relatives too? The Lord Jesus Christ has millions of lost Jewish brothers and sisters that need to be one to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, one day God called Gideon to save Israel. In Judges 6.14, he said, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? So can you be like Gideon and hear the call of God to save Israel? Now, our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program is Tom Cantor, who's a scientist, CEO, pastor, and founder of Israel Restoration Ministries, where the past three years, we've sent out over 700 part-time missionaries to our 12-week campaigns that have gone to 18 different Jewish cities to reach over 5 million lost Jewish people in the U.S. alone, and many more around the world from Israel to Canada to South America. And we want to send out more missionaries to help reach the Jewish people. And we just started our 2014 Summer Blitz campaign to do that. Now, will you send in a donation of support to help reach lost Jewish people? Maybe it's $20 or $500, but a donation that would go towards Jewish evangelism and getting the gospel to lost Israel that's here, right here in America. Now, we've got Jewish gospel resources that we put in their hands. We go out to Orthodox, Hasidic, Reformed, Religious, and Atheist Jewish communities. Now, we need your prayer support the next 12 weeks as we do this campaign, but we also need your financial support. So call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Make a donation to support Jewish evangelism and reaching God's lost nation of Jewish brothers and sisters. Or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Donate online at friendshipwithgod.org. Here's Tom Cantor teaching us about the time of life. What God had in his mind is called in the Bible the mind of Christ. And that's described for us in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, where it says, let this mind be in use, which was also in Christ Jesus. See, that's the mind of Christ in Philippians 2, 5. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not a robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, and being found as fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he's equal with God because he is God. But in order to breathe again life into man who is dead, it cost him, it cost him to bring back life to man. It cost him humbling himself. God humbled himself to be, make himself of no reputation. God humbled himself to take on him a form of a servant. God humbled himself to be made in the likeness of men. God humbled himself to become obedient to death. God humbled himself to become obedient to the death of the cross. And God did all that because this is all about 
what it took to bring the time of life to sinful dead men. And he loves to do this. And it's a happy day for God. God says, I'm glad to do it. He says, it's a very happy day when he brings the time of life to sinful dead men. And the Lord Jesus Christ talked about the two things. He talked about the cost and he talked about the happiness that he feels when every dead sinful man comes to him for life. He talks about the cost in Matthew 13, 43 to 46 in a couple of parables when he said, then shall the righteous shine. And that makes him really happy. Fourth, as the son of the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid. Nobody knows about it. In a field. And every good businessman sees the treasures hid in a field. And then he goes and he, and he does what every businessman does, what he talks about here. The which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for the joy thereof, and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, which he found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. See the theme. He sells all that he has. He gives it his all so he can get it. And he talks about the joy after he gets it. In Luke 15, 3 through 10, through some parables, when he said he spake this parable unto them, saying, Which man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine and, and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. So that's the theme, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth his friends and saith, neighbors, and says to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, likewise, joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, moreover than the ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. And then he goes on, either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle and sweep the house, seek diligently till she find it, and when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, rejoice with me, same words, rejoice with me. For I found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. See, when these verses talk about joy in heaven and the joy in the presence of the angels of God, whose joy is that? That's God's joy. That's God God rejoicing in the presence of the angels. That's the joy that's in heaven. God's so happy Because God loves the time of life for each sinner who comes to him for life. The Lord Jesus Christ loves when a dead, lost sinner comes to him for life. That's the time of life, and he rejoices. Now, notice in Genesis 18.10, there's a very important word there. In Genesis 18.10, a very important word where we read, And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. Sarah heard it in the tent door behind him. The very important word in verse 10 is the word certainly. I will certainly. When God uses that word certainly, God means you can take it to the bank, or as the famous Texan Mildred Dombo used to say, you bet your life on that. (laughs) Anyway, it was so unlikely that Abraham and Sarah were going to have a baby. They're 100 years old. You know, I mean, they're standing in the face. I mean, there's God. They're standing in the face of their age. God's standing in the face of that unlikelihood. And God uses the word certainly. 
you know, to kind of defy the obvious, and Sarah thy wife shall have a son. This promise of Sarah having Isaac is very important, and the word certainly emphasizes the the point that's being made here. And in the book of Romans, in chapter 9, and if you turn to this, Paul refers to this verse and this certainty, and he says something very important for us in Romans 9, 8 through 9, where it says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God. But the children of the promise are counted for the seed. For this is the word of the promise. At this time will I come, Sarah shall have a son. See, the key to understanding those verses, as I was trying to emphasize the parts in there, comes from the terms, the children of the flesh, and the children of God, and the children of the promise, and the word of promise. Because this, this is, as you know, these, these three chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, are all about the subject of the spiritual death and the rebirth of the Jewish people. And if you have gone, if you've had the wonderful experience of going to the Jewish people and looking for a positive reaction when you speak to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what Paul's talking about here. Because when he speaks about the spiritual death of the Jewish people that caused Paul to have said in the beginning of this chapter, Romans 9-2, I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. It wouldn't go away. And if you brought the gospel to the Jewish people, then you also know personally that great heaviness and continual sorrow that you can't shake because of their spiritual dead state. And we all with Paul have said we just don't see how the Jewish people can come to life in the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told you this before when I was in the Philippines and the Filipino pastor came up to me and he said, I met my first Jewish person. He was shocked and I said, what's wrong? He said, the Jewish person told me I'd rather go to hell than believe in Jesus. And that's not atypical. And we all with Paul have said we just don't see how the Jewish people can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we all with Paul have looked at the Jewish people, and with Ezekiel, we saw what Ezekiel described in Ezekiel 37.1, the valley which was full of bones. And when we look around all the Jewish people as a whole and try, uh, try to imagine them coming to the Lord Jesus, all we see is what Ezekiel saw Behold, there were very many in the open valley, and they were very dry. He's talking about the bones. And we see what Ezekiel saw. Very low probability of any Jewish person turning to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we wonder the same question that God asked Ezekiel in, the, in Ezekiel 37.3, and he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? Yeah. And we see how far the Jewish people are from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we respond to that question, can these bones live just like Ezekiel did in Ezekiel 37.3? And I answered, oh Lord, thou knowest. I'm not touching that. He says, <laughs> along with Ezekiel, we say, I don't see how. 
I don't see how, but I don't see how, and from trying to bring the gospel to the Jewish people, we say the same thing. I don't see how the Jewish people can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And with Paul, that same, Paul says the same thing. I don't see how the Jewish people can come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And faced with this dilemma, we ask Paul, Paul, what's the answer to the great dilemma? And Paul answers us, through Genesis 18.10, to answer the question, he says in Romans 9, he says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are caught up for the seed. This is the word of promise at this time. Will I come and Sarah shall have a son. So Paul is saying there, look, when you read Genesis 18.10, you need to see that it's a word of promise. It's a word of promise for a child of promise. That's what's all tied up in here. And he's saying, Paul is saying to us, listen to the word of promise. Look for the child of promise. Don't be discouraged by looking at the children of the flesh. And he's directing us, Paul's directing us in Gen- through Genesis 18.10 with that important word, certainly. There is as much chance of the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life as there is for a hundred-year-old couple to have a baby. <laughs> There's as much chance of the, of the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life as there is for a valley of very dry bones to stand up and have life. You know, in Ezekiel 37.2, it was a very important statement when Ezekiel said, lo, they were very dry. Like, he looked at them, you know, he took a look, he says, they're very dry. You know, picture Ezekiel saying, you know, before I answer this question, let me have a look at a couple of these bones. Maybe I can see some red marrow in them, (laughs) some sign of life, something. And he comes back and he says, they're very dry. You know, (laughs) like it made a difference. (laughs) But he's saying, no, it's impossible. So how does, how does this verse in Genesis 18.10 apply to us personally? We've got to freeze the picture. Freeze the picture of the time right after Abraham and Sarah have heard God's promise. You know, it says, he says, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and so Sarah thy wife shall have a son. See, right at that time, right then, just before the semicolon, or just after the semicolon, before you get to Sarah's response, that's a scene to freeze in our mind. Why? Because that's a great point of decision. That's a crossroads right there. Abraham and Sarah had just heard God promise something that to them was absolutely, that's impossible. God's promise of a son to Abraham and Sarah seemed so impossible that it became for both of them something to laugh off. It's a joke. It's something to laugh about. For them, God's promises just could not happen. And they were at this crossroads of decision, Abraham and Sarah were. Either they could lean to their own understanding and respond to God's promise with the laughter of unbelief, and that road is called the road of unbelief, where they would say, I'm not going to make a fool out of myself and before others by saying that here we are, 100 years old, we're going to have a baby. To laugh is to go down the road of unbelief. To laugh is not to take God seriously. It's to say, that's a joke. I will, I, I will believe what, that when I see it. In the meantime, I can't take that promise seriously. And I'm not going to get myself all worked up over it. It's just funny. And or they could have said, as incredulous as it sounds for a 100-year-old couple to have a baby, that's God's promise. I'm going to believe it. 
That's God's promise, and I'm going to go tell others that I believe it. And we're going we're gonna to get this baby room ready here in this tent, and we're going to get the bassinet and everything, even though there's no evidence that, that the 100-year-old couple are going to have a baby. There's not even a little baby bump. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to get the baby room ready. That's the road of belief. See, that's the road of belief. Now, you and I, we're not 100 years old. Thank God. <laughs> and we don't have a hard-to-believe promise like that, that we're going to have a baby when we're 100. That was Abraham and Sarah's hard-to-believe promise. But you and I are in the same position, in a sense, as Abraham and Sarah with an equally hard-to-believe promise. And because like Abraham and Sarah, you and I have an equally hard-to-believe promise from God that puts us at the same crossroads as Abraham and Sarah. Because with our hard-to-believe promise from God, we have the same choice. Either we're going to take God seriously and believe him, or we're not going to take him seriously and laugh off his promise as a joke. And what's our hard-to-believe promise? Turn, if you would, Isaiah 43, 21. Very hard-to-believe promise. Isaiah 43, 21 through 22. Oh, you write it down. Anyway, Isaiah 43, 21. It says this. This people, that's talking about the Jewish people. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob. Thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. See, this is a very hard-to-believe promise. This is, this is God's hard-to-believe promise that the Jewish people have been formed, Yatsar, for the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a very hard-to-believe promise that the Jewish people will show forth the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you tell that promise to, a Jew, to any Jewish person that the Jewish people have been formed by and for the Lord Jesus Christ to show forth his praise, they'll laugh it off. They'll laugh it off. They'll say, that's a joke. They'll say, they, they will yitzhak it off. They will, they will Isaac it off. You know, Yitzhak, Isaac mean laughter. And if you and I take the other, but if you and I, we take this other road of believing God's promise, believing God's hard to believe promise for the Jewish people, then we will, in spite of their view of the Lord Jesus Christ, we'll believe God that the Jewish people have been formed by and for and will show the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will believe in spite of, of their view of the Lord Jesus Christ, where we will believe we're just in a little interim period right now. Just a little interim. And the people, the Jewish people, are going to come alive out of that valley of death, of dry bones. And we'll pray Paul's prayer for the Jewish people in Romans 10:1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. And we'll take every opportunity that God gives us to bring the gospel to the Jewish people. And we'll see those opportunities to speak to the Jewish people as special. And we'll craft our words. We'll craft what we say. And we'll craft them to be exactly the same way as the Lord Jesus Christ said. He crafted his words when he spoke to them. And he told us how he crafted his words in John 5.34, where he said, These things I say that ye might be saved. See, we'll think, like him, before we speak to the Jewish people as he did, we'll say to ourselves, how can I craft my words so that the things that I say to them are all designed to lead them to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Those are the ways that we take God's hard-to-believe promise about the Jewish people promoting the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ seriously and not laugh it off as a joke. Abraham and Sarah looked at their 100-year-old bodies for any evidence that they could have a baby, and they laughed it off. And they said, there ain't no way. There ain't no way. And when Paul and I and you and, and we look at the Jewish people for any evidence of them coming to the Lord Jesus Christ for life, we're very tempted to say, there ain't no way. And God said to Ezekiel, don't you walk away, Ezekiel, and laugh off my promise when I say to you these bones will live. And God said to Abraham and Sarah, and especially he called Sarah on it at this time, don't you walk away and laugh off my promise when I say to you you'll have a baby. And God says to us, don't you walk away and laugh off my promise when I say a day is coming when all the Jewish people alive will be promoting the praise of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul builds on this in Genesis 18.10 with these two phrases, the children of promise. It's important to see. We're talking about the children of promise. Paul is saying that just as Isaac was a child of promise, so saved Jewish people are children of promise. And when Paul speaks about the Jewish people who do not come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's referring to them as children of the flesh. And just as Isaac was not a child of the flesh, but a child of promise, or what he calls here, a child of God, children of God versus children of the flesh. And just like Isaac was a child of promise, so Jewish people who come to the Lord Jesus Christ, they're children of the promise. And when Paul says in Romans 9, 9, for this is the word of promise, that at this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son, Paul is putting great emphasis on describing what God says in our verse in Genesis 18.10 as the word of promise. And as Abraham and Sarah were to believe that they would have a baby because the word of promise, you and I are directed to continue to go to, to pray for, do all we can and look forward to the Jewish people coming to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's a word of promise. And the expectation of Abraham and Sarah for a baby was all about the word of promise from God. And our expectation for the Jewish people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ is all about the word of promise from God. And we can say about Isaac, Isaac was born by the word of God. This is the word of promise. That's a, that, that phrase, being born by the word of promise, being born by the word of God, that's a phrase that describes us in 1 Peter 1.23 where it says, being born again not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God. Being born again by the word of God. We have been born again as sons of God by a word of promise. What's a promise? John 1, 12 to 13. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born. God's word of promise is that if Jews, any Jew, any Gentile, receives the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior, then God's word of promise is they will become sons of God. They will be born again as children of the promise. It'll certainly happen because that's God's word of promise. Now, also we continue in verse 10, Genesis 18, 10, and we read, and Sarah heard it in the tent door. Very specifically identifies where Sarah was. She's in the, in the tent door, which was behind them. So here we can see Sarah, and she's, she's staring out the keyhole of the tent. They, don't, they didn't have keyholes, but anyway, something like that. <laughs> and she's listening very intently to the conversation. And, and the scene is that Abraham has his back 
to the tent door where Sarah's kind of hiding behind there and, and listening from behind. And, and then we come to verse 11 where it says, And Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken. They were really beaten down in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So the whole point of this verse is what we've seen in Romans 9. It's all about the Jewish people coming to the, to the Lord Jesus Christ, the application. And it don't look like it could happen. And they were old and well stricken in age and ceased to be. It looks like it ain't going to happen. No way that they're going to have a baby. No way the Jewish people are going to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's really the meaning behind verse 11. And then we read in verse 12, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I'm waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord also being, being old also. So the key word in verse 12 is the word therefore, because it shows that Sarah was focused on, 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 the, on their condition. She wasn't focused on the word of promise on what God said. She was focused on what he was saying and the, the thinking about the deadness of her womb and, and, and Abraham's age and so forth. And so therefore, Sarah laughed. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program. Now, are you interested in learning more about the Jewish people, their past, present, and future? Tom Cantor's written a wonderful book called The Life of Joseph helping to understand the Jewish Messiah and the history and future of the Jewish people through the life of Joseph. The hope, the pain, the trials, the suffering, and the exaltation of Joseph, the Jewish people, and the Lord Jesus Christ all seen together. If you'd like to obtain a copy of this book, our resource of the month, you can for a donation of $20 or more by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800 800- 247 3051. Get the Life of Joseph book for a donation of $20 or more, 800 247 3051, or go to friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. Or call us directly at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051.